Join the party and spirits are playing in your city. God, we're so excited. Eric will be wearing his DMing glove the entire trip. I'm both worried and excited. Seven cities, 10 days at the end of March 2024. Your two favorite podcasts, Join the Party and Spirits, are performing live. We're playing games, rolling dice, making monsters, and a whole lot more. So come see us in Seattle at the Hereafter on March 21st. Minneapolis at Granada on March 22nd. Chicago at Reggie's on March 24th. Boston at the Rockwell on March 25th, New York City at Littlefield March 26th, Philly at City Winery March 27th, and D.C. at Atlas Brewworks on March 28th. Get your tickets right now at jointhepartypod.com slash live. That's jointhepartypod.com slash live. There you can see all the ticket links and find the city that works for you. When you're rolling the bones, your future is looking good. Join us. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. Welcome to Spirits Podcast, episode 60, Tarot with Jolie Kerr. Oh, yeah. You you picked a really good guest this episode. I must say, friend of the show, Eric Silver of Join the Party Pod, picked a really good guest. Oh, dang. Yeah, good job, he, Eric. he recommended Jolie, and I was like, wait, that's a person not from mythology internet that would actually be really good. Mm-hmm. I've been reading Jolie on the internet for the longest time, and um, back from the Toast days and, and even before, Hairpin kind of network, which sadly is actually shutting down. They just announced that um, yesterday. Yeah. And uh, I just love Jolie so much. She is well known on the internet for her column and now podcast ask a clean person yeah you, um, you geeked out real hard about that so good like i i google ask a clean person and then like a cleaning problem probably once every two weeks <laughs> she's really good <laughs> i trust you and she was a great guest too she was do you know who else are great julia um our patrons our newest patrons welcome to the party sarah rory jamelin and coria julia and nathaniel another yeah. julia i know well, i'm just collecting the julias at you this are. point you are they're like, all I, mine now i collect queer librarians you collect other julias with flower middle names yes and um we'll take over the world yeah that seems fair other folks that can take over the world i'm getting better at these segues you are uh, our supporting producer level patrons thank you so much for your continued support neil chandra philip julie sarah christina josh eeyore ryan shelby lynn mercedes sandra robert Lindsay, phil Catherine, and deborah it's like a little dance i do whenever you list them because it's always in the same order so i'm just like burp, 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 i know i thought about changing up the order but i just like it so much no, i'm getting used to saying so it well. this way do i know it. i know um and thank you also to our legend level patrons leanne ashley shannon Cam- Cassie and Ashley Marie. Yeah, the cards never talk shit about y'all. Never. Never. Never at all. And Jules, what were we drinking this episode? I um, think I had rosé. Is that right? We recorded a couple weeks ago. No, we were doing, um, we both had some nice ciders that you picked up from the like fancy bodega around Ooh, the Oh, yes. Yeah. Weirdly, my bodega gets like craft cider, mm-hmm. small batch local craft cider. Yeah, it's nice. And it's really good. Yeah. And because we weren't, you know, leading the episode for once, we could just kind of sit back and crack open those ciders and yeah. have a good time. It was really nice. It was. We would love to thank our sponsor this week, Tab for a Cause. So this is an application that you install in your web browser. And when you open up a new tab, it shows you a beautiful picture and it raises money for charity by showing you an ad. What more could you want? 
I don't know. They show the weather. They show the time. It's like useful information. And yeah. also you raise money for charity. Hell yeah. And you can let them know that you came from this podcast. If you go to tabforacause.com slash spirits, we got 86 installs wow. last time I asked the team and they're going to keep me updated as to the amount of money that we raise for charity over time. Awesome. So join team spirits, install tab for a cause at tabforacause.com slash spirits. Do it up. Anyone who has been listening to the podcast for a couple weeks now knows that we were at PodCon a month ago. I miss it so much. I know someone on Twitter, uh, who, who tweeted at us recently, their Twitter name is like, uh, their name still at PodCon. Yes. No, really. Like I miss it. It's Danielle Shemaya from uh, Ars Paradoxica who is amazing, wonderful so human being. Love you, Danielle. I wanted to say Danny in my head, but I wasn't sure. But yeah, there you right. go. Um, but yeah, uh, we actually made our panel from PodCon, our panel on monetization, community building, and social media, available on our blog. So you can go to spiritspodcast.com slash blog and listen to us talk about, you know, y'all and how you're great. Yes. And we give real helpful information for those of you who have podcasts or honestly, who are running any kind of indie project on the internet. Um, there are slides, there's a handout, there are notes from the session. I'm a big, big nerd. So I tried to make it really comprehensive. And our patrons actually have that audio in their RSS feed for their special patron only stuff. So that is at spiritspodcast.com slash blog. You can see that you can see our podcasting 101 workshop, all the good stuff right on there for you. Uh, next, we want to remind you guys that we would love your spaghetti warehouse voicemails. Listen, guys, this is the most specific thing anyone has ever asked for on a podcast. If you have been to a spaghetti warehouse, please open up on your phone the voice memo app, talk in it for a minute or so about your visit to spaghetti warehouse. Was it creepy? Was it not? What did you like? What did you eat? How was that spumoni ice cream? And please send it to us. Email it to us. Spiritspodcast at Gmail. Uh, shout out to our listener, Elaine Margot, who is both in our Facebook group and yes. tweeted at us a live, like a live tweet of their visit to Spaghetti Warehouse. Yeah, they went to Spaghetti Warehouse. They like waited an hour for a table. They sat in the trolley, guys. They sat, they sat in the trolley. The trolley but I thought I said in, in the front of the trolley. No, they, yeah, it showed the front of the trolley because oh, they right. were next to it. Well, they sat just adjacent to the trolley. They also sent the most terrifying recording of a restaurant that I've ever heard in my entire <laughs> it's really life. Good. It's a multimedia visit. It sounds like a demon was sitting right next to them the entire time. And it's horrifying and I love it. So we want that quality spaghetti warehouse nonsense. Please send it to us. Yeah, we really need it. We are doing something. That's all I can say. Please, in we the next it. week, before the end of January, if you're listening to this in the present, in 2018, send us your Spaghetti Warehouse voicemail. Frankly, even if it's after January 2018, I kind of want to hear your recollection of the Spaghetti Warehouse. But, like, it's going to be good, and you might hear your voice on spirits. You're going to hear your voice on spirits. Come on. You can do it. I believe it. in you. All right, Jules, I think that's it, right? That's it. All right, y'all. Well, enjoy Spirits Podcast Episode 60, Tarot with Jolie Kerr. We're so excited today to be joined by Jolie Care, who is the host of Ask a Clean Person, one of my favorite podcasts of all time. I love it so much. Um, and the author of a very funny book about cleaning uh, called My Boyfriend Barfed in My Handbag and Other Things You Can't Ask Martha, which I don't know if you guys know, but I, I love cleaning. And so I have been a big fan of your writing for a long time. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. That's so nice. And we're really excited to be talking with you today about something that I don't think either Julia or I know very much about, mm -hmm. right? 
Jules? I know a little bit of history about it, but we'll, we'll go uh, like I'm completely blind on this topic. <laughs> you'll you'll try on okay. my shoes. Pretty I'll pull on Amanda. It's fine. Nice. Um, so, Jolie, tell us all about tarot. All about tarot. Either you know, there's so much to know about tarot, and I will say I'm not a, a tarot historian. I did a I did a ton of research. In preparation for the show. We're already head and shoulders above how prepared I ever am for recording. So I'm very excited to hear it. Because I want, you know, I wanted to be able to talk a little bit about the history of it, but I'm not a tarot historian. And the the history of the tarot, like much of history, is a little murky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So some of the things that, um, that people talk about when they talk about the history of tarot isn't necessarily entirely accurate. Um, and I think, you know, compounding just like the murkiness of history anyway, is the fact that tarot is associated with the occult. And there have historically been a lot of forces that maybe want to suppress the tarot oh, yeah. and occult topics. And those forces tend to be the ones writing the history. Um, so there's all there are all kinds of sort of fun and interesting layers to the history of tarot. Um and I think also probably the biggest thing that I tell people, um, you know, in in modern day, when I talk about tarot, when I do readings for friends, or if I invite friends to come for readings with me um, with professionals, is that it's not fortune telling. It's not it's not going to predict the future. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a medium to crystallize circumstances that you may be experiencing, things that you may have experienced in the past in the past and think about the choices you have going forward. And for me, I find that my practice just lends me a lot of clarity in my life. Sure. And also it's kind of fun and interesting and the cards themselves are very interesting mm-hmm. and the iconography that's used and all of that stuff. So that's kind of my, my general spiel about tarot. I did a, you guys, you'll, you'll, since you're ask a clean person, people, you'll appreciate this. <laughs> I think I did a reading right before we started recording. That was a cleaning spread. Ooh. Nice. And it was, and it was very interesting and, and edifying for me to do that. I'm, I'm like in a phase right now where my, my readings have been telling me and my, um, my horoscope has been telling me to, um, that, that I'm in a period where I need to be sort of like energetically and spiritually cleansing and cleaning things. Yeah. Um, and, and some, some of the things have been very specific, like clean out your closet or reorganize your home. And I'm like, you guys, I, do you know who you're talking to? I literally, there's nothing left to clean in this home. I'm on it. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I, I guess I have to focus on the more spiritual aspect of the, of the cleansing that needs to happen. So I did this spread and it was very interesting. Oh, nice. And so what does a spread look like? What is your process? Well, I use all different spreads. So the one that I did that was the cleaning spread um, was two center cards, one upright and one over it, crossing it. Um, that, that represents where the querent is now. So in, in tarot, we use the term querent. That basically means the, the person who is asking the questions of the tarot. So when I do my own readings, I'm the querent and the reader. Right. When I go to a reader, the reader is the reader and I'm the querent. Mm-hmm. So those were the center cards. And then to the, to the left and below the center cards um, in the three and four position was, and it's, it's kind of a cheeky little spread, which I love. It was... Um, Two cards to represent all that junk under the bed and how to tackle it. I love that. And then, um, which is also hilarious since there are literally only two things under my bed. (laughs) I don't keep junk under my bed. You're like, come on. (laughs) Because I'm me. Uh, (laughs) 
And then there is an arc of three cards, the um, the five, six, seven position above the two center cards that represent uh, redecoration or fresh ideas. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then one card on the right below the two center cards um, that is, uh, it is definitely time to chuck this thing out. <laughs> and actually that, that card, I was so surprised. I thought there are, there are cards that come up in my readings sort of over and over again and that tend to end up representing very specific people in my oh. life. And I really thought that the number eight position was going to be the page of cups, which is a card that represents a very specific person in my life. And it wasn't actually, it was the three of cups, which represents another very specific person um, from my past who's sort of a little bit lingering (laughs) around. And I was so surprised, like, oh my God, oh, that three of cups, holy cow, I got to, oh wow, I got to deal with that thing that I sort of thought I didn't. I thought I'd already dealt with, but obviously like there's still one last thing um, to, to close that chapter out. So I was like, all right, I get it. I see it all clarity. I get it. I, I like that idea of the, uh, the cards talking shit about people in your life. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, awesome. Hey. Oh yeah, they definitely <laughs> do. I mean, they talk shit about I mean, me yeah, too. That's just how it is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll say the, um, the two cards that I got for, for where I am right now were like, one was the three of wands, which is a, it's a man who's looking out on the horizon and he's, he's carrying two. Um, so the wands kind of look like um, staffs, like wooden mm-hmm. staffs. Um, so he's got two in front of him and then he's got one on his back. And that's a very good card. It means it, it, it basically represents you're laying plans for the future. You're looking out onto the horizon and the things that you're doing and the, and the plans that you're laying are the right ones and that it's good for you to be looking forward. Um, but the card that I had crossing that was the Ten of Swords, which is literally a person lying on the ground with ten swords in his back. I do know that one. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, damn you, Ten of Swords. We meet again. <laughs> and, 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 you know, the thing is, is that really, um, as frustrating as it is to see that card, that really is exactly where I am. I am laying plans, and I am in a period where, unfortunately, um, you know, I've, I've suffered a number of, of betrayals, and I'm, I'm processing that, but I'm processing that by looking towards the future and just figuring out what comes next. Yeah. So it, it rang true for where I am, but it also was kind of like, oh, I, I wish that wasn't where I am. <laughs> and so is there a temptation to kind of like read into those cards, the meaning you're looking for? Like, I, at least for me, it would be so tempting to be like, yes, my path is correct. And I don't have to challenge anything. And every choice I've made is correct. You know, so how do you, how do you kind of face, <laughs> I don't know, like an unwanted truth or are none of the truths unwanted? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that th- this is this has been true in in my own life, and it's I think true of anyone who does does tarot readings for other people or for themselves. That yeah, it's very easy if you if you want to delude yourself into into seeing something and and getting the meaning you want out of it um, instead of the meaning you need out of it. Of course, that's a that's a risk that you take, and it's a challenge. But also, what's the point in doing the t- in, in, in working with the tarot, if you're not going to work with the tarot, what's what's the point in using the tarot for clarity if you're going to continue to see things through the lens that you choose to and not get clarity out of them? So you're really cheating yourself yeah. if you do that. And of course you can. And, you know, that's, that's it's one it's one good reason to to go to a reader um, and not do your own readings, especially, you know, I find when when there are subjects for me that, 
you know, I really know I want a specific outcome. Instead of reading for myself, I'll go to a reader because then it's a neutral party who's going to keep me, keep me honest. And I had, I had that happen maybe about a month ago. I went to um, an amazing, amazing woman here in New York. And she was just like, she was so life-changing. She was, Mm -hmm. she was hard on me. I mean, she, she just, she was not going to let me get away with twisting what the cards had to say. And it was good. And I appreciated that. But like, if I had been doing that reading on my own, oh, yeah, I would have told myself a thousand lies. (laughs) So which is why I did it vaguely reminds me of a spiritual therapist, someone that you can bounce your ideas off of. And the fact that um, you can't get away with twisting it to be like, well, you know, my relationship with this person, it's fine. It's fine. It's okay. It's not it's not that toxic. And then it's someone like your therapist or your best friend comes in is like, Listen, um, it's yeah. bad. You got to accept that it's bad and either move on or do something that's going to change the situation that you're in. Yeah. I was thinking of a personal trainer who, uh, oh, you know, you're there and you're showing up and <laughs> I can really tell myself good. that I totally did 10 actual pull-ups. I've never done 10 pull-ups in my life. Mm-mm. Uh, done 10 actual, uh, sit-ups maybe. And they're like, um, actually, you know, your feet totally left the ground or your shoulders weren't right. Um, and they're just there to, to do, to help you do what you know you need to do, but maybe you couldn't make yourself do on your own. Um, I like that. Yeah, I think I love both of those comparisons. Actually, I think that that's exactly it. And I and I think it probably goes back to a lot of what I was saying about like it's not fortune telling, it's guidance, just mm-hmm. the way a therapist would guide you, but isn't there to make your decisions for you. And just like a personal trainer is there to guide you, but you still right. have to do the work. Yeah, and definitely. I mean, look, I like. I mean, I'm I'm a crier. Any, I I I cry. Me too. Same. At everything, um, but I I literally cry at every single tarot reading I go and get. Like, and, and I'll and I'll walk in and I'll be like, this is this is the one. I'm not going to cry today. I'm in such a good place. Ten minutes in, I'm like, <laughs> you know, just like a total wreck. Um, and then, and it really is like therapy. And you know, the thing is, sometimes you get readers who you don't connect with, or you know, whatever the, the reading itself isn't really isn't really hitting you in the right places. I had, I had one, um, a couple months ago where like the reader, he was just, he was very young and he, I don't think he was ready to be doing the work that he was doing. And, you know, I wasn't that moved by the things he was telling me. I teared, I teared up a tiny (laughs) bit, Um, but, but like, not like, not like my usual, but, but this other woman who I just went to last month, I mean, I was, I was just a deluge of tears. Like I was (laughs) It's a total wreck by the end of it. And, you know, I kept apologizing. She was like, do not apologize. First of all, this was, this was really intense. Like you've been going through something intense and I can see it here and I can see it as I'm talking to you and you have, you have work ahead of you and it's okay to cry. It's okay to work through a lot of that here. That's part of what the 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 work I do as a as a spiritual reader is so I mean I like I would encourage everyone I know some people are kind of scared of the tarot and I and I understand that no one should do anything that they're uncomfortable with but like going and getting a tarot card reading can really be life-changing how how did you actually get started doing it um so I grew up in Boston and my mom when I starting when I was like maybe 10-ish or so um, my mom would take me up to Salem every year during Halloween. And in Salem, they have, they have what they call a psychic fair at ha- during Halloween time. Um, and they have like lots of other yep. stuff at Halloween time. Salem's amazing at Halloween, obviously. Um, and so my mom would take me up to Salem to the psychic fair 
and I could like pick out what whatever I could have like one service I could pick out whatever I wanted crystal ball or palm reading or you know a- anything I wanted and I always ended up gravitating towards tarot um and then wow. when I was a little bit earlier older like maybe you know middle school when kind of you know girls tend to get into that the kind of like mystic-y occult type stuff um I got mm-hmm. a deck of tarot cards I actually still have it it's my original deck um Aww. and I know I actually like before I did this I pulled out all of my decks because I was like I don't even know how many I have I have six it turns out yeah I was gonna ask what the grand total was we would love a photo if you can if you I did take a photo for you actually I laid, oh, I laid them all out oh. so you could see them all four of them are are, are serious decks and two one is a novelty deck called this is very on brand for me it's called the housewives tarot and and it's you know it's a novelty i wouldn't i wouldn't really do readings with it um it's very cute but i wouldn't really do readings with i would do like fun readings maybe for friends and then i have another one that i just got that's not a tarot deck but it's similar called the halloween oracle and it's it's more akin to I don't know if you guys have ever seen or heard of angel cards but it's more akin to angel cards I I have a vague understanding of it yeah so I'll I'll send you guys the the picture of all the of all the decks laid out um because they're neat and I love them and I like I try to not go overboard with buying decks because you can get really (laughs) really carried away but there are some really beautiful ones out there there definitely are. Yeah, I, I see the, them. On- uh, I have the wild unknown deck in my house, which Ooh. my fiance makes me like put in the other room because he's very uncomfortable with the concept. <laughs> really? <laughs> he grew up uh, like fairly Catholic. I was just going to ask, is he Catholic? He is Catholic, um, but he also grew up with his dad having like kind of medium esque uh, abilities. Um, and when he passed away a couple of years ago, Jake kind of confided in me. He's like, listen. I, I think I inherited this idea from my dad. So he's kind of like either he's kind of wrestling with this idea of do I accept this as my you know own practice or do I just kind of let it go? Uh, and so he just kind of asked me to put the tarot away from him whenever possible. So Whoa. yeah, right. It's like Daredevil putting his suit in the trunk and like not, you know, pointedly just like not thinking about it. Yeah, but my tarot cards and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> interesting. I mean, that makes, it makes total sense to me. And I, it's interesting that he has such a response to a a physical and fairly innocuous thing. And, you know, I hope that Mm -hmm. in time he gets a little more comfortable with his, his own, it sounds like his own abilities that maybe he doesn't, isn't quite ready to deal with just yet. But I hope that he does come to a point where he can embrace it because it really um, is very powerful. It is. It definitely is. He's told me a lot of stuff that I was like, oh, oh, okay. Um, so I, I hope that he comes to terms with it at some point, but he's still yeah. working on what he's working on. So forgive me if this is a little bit, um, I don't know, naive to ask, but how much, um, when you're kind of laying out a deck and doing a reading, like how much of the order of the cards is, you know, fate or predetermined or like based on the person that you're doing it for, or is it all just kind of, they're going to come up and we're going to read into the meanings, you know, that are in front of us, um, however we can. Um, well, I think, so the thing is about the, the way that you pull cards for a reading, um, is that you, you know, you, you shuffle the deck and you think about your, your query for the particular reading. And the idea is to focus on 
you know, what it is that you're looking to get out of the cards and for this particular reading. And then, um, you know, every, every reader has like a different, a slightly different way of doing it. I fan the cards out. Um, and then I pull the cards sort of based on where my instinct is telling me to pull cards from. So it seems mm-hmm. random, but the, but the idea is that there's nothing that's random. You know, you pull cards in the order of the spread that you're doing and, and you lay them out um, according to, to the positions um, that the particular spread calls for. And then you, and then you read based on the position of the card. So, you know, when I was talking to you about the spread that I did today, there, you know, there are two center cards. Those are the first two you pull and you place them in a, in a, um, in a cross with one crossing the facing upward with one crossing the other. Um, and those two cards, those are positions one and two. And so those represent where the querent is now. Um, so the card mm-hmm. position is very important. And then there's interplay between the cards in terms of, you know, again, to use the example of the, of the spread I did today, the, Card, card one was the very positive card that, you know, I'm looking forward, I'm laying plans. And then card two crossing it is, but you're also feeling the effects of, of betrayal right now. And right. that's kind of overlaying the plans that, that you're making. And frankly, that's a good, that's a good thing. I, I would prefer that position to the other position to having those two things reversed mm-hmm. because ultimately the number one card means you're doing the right things and you're, you're staying positive and looking forward, even though you're suffering under the weight of these 10 swords that are literally in your back. So definitely the, the placement and the interface between the two cards is very important or between all the cards in the spread is important. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so interesting. I like, I like the idea that, uh, one, uh, one explains the other basically. And yeah. that's, that's a really important aspect of, uh, the tower reading, I guess. We are sponsored this week by Tab for a Cause, which is a browser extension that when you open up a new tab, it shows you a little ad, a beautiful photo of like a lake or a mountain or something really classy. And the revenue from that ad raises money for charity. Yeah, you can just keep doing your thing on the internet and you raise money for a good cause. It's basically just using the internet to raise money to help other people. What is, why wouldn't you do that? I know. It's like when you see ads like on the side of a of a halal cart or something in New York City okay. or you see an ad like on the top of the like ba- a basketball backboard. This is really specific. Go ahead. I know. But I was at a Knicks game recently. It was very fun. And I noticed that on the camera that goes down to show you like the overhead shot of the basket, mm-hmm. the little like ledge, the little top of the, the backboard had an ad on it. Brought to you by McDonald's. Squarespace. Oh, and I was really? Like, yeah. Holy and shit. I was like, hot damn, Squarespace. Like, A, that's a really prominent shot. And B, like, you're in basketball, not just podcasts. Good for you. Well, you know who's a better uh, sponsor than Squarespace? Tap for a cause. Yeah. Yeah. Hell Point yeah. being, it's really interesting in the world when you see ads where ads didn't used to be. It can be déclassé, it can be interesting, but this is a point where like when you open up a tab, you are never looking at anything and you're just going to type in the URL, but in that split second before you type something in, you can see a calming picture and raise money for charity and it doesn't impact your day like at all. I know. That's honestly the best way to use the internet in my opinion. Truly. For it's good. just it's it's such it's such lawful good way of using the internet. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. And the people at Tab for a Cause are really really sweet. We've been 
talking to them um, in the process of setting up the sponsorship. And they're going to let us know how much money Team Spirits is raising for charity. So if you go to tabforacause.com slash spirits, that's tabforacause.com slash spirits. Link is also in the description. You can install a browser extension, join Team Spirits that way, and help us raise a boatload of money. Yeah. We want to see how much y'all can bring to the table when it comes to sweet, sweet donations to a charity. And every time now that I open a tab and immediately forget what URL I was going to type in, I can at least be raising money for charity. That's that's the important part. Cool. So thank you again, Tab for a Cause. And with that, let's get back to the show. I guess I wanted, I'd like to transition into a little bit about the history of tarot. Um, well, let's, let's start at the beginning. So the original tarot cards, Tarocci, they're Italian, um, which I also think probably on some level explains why I've always been drawn to them because I'm, I'm part Italian. So they, they, the first, the first known tarot cards um, emerged in Italy in the 1440s. They were intended just as playing cards. They, they did not have any kind of mystic or occult connotation. Um, they were, they were cards that were drawn for, um, you know, well, well-to-do people to play card games with. And they don't really, there's no, there's not, no real clear information on how the game was played. Um, some people have speculated that it was a, a game that was sort of equivalent to maybe bridge. That's unknown. So it was a game that old ladies would play. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. A bunch of old Italian ladies just hanging out playing Tarochi bridge. Um, yeah. Bridge, bridge seems like an occult hobby to me because it seems like once you turn a certain age, you just acquire the skills to play bridge. Like <laughs> So even though it's not clear, you know, what, how exactly the cards are being used. It is, it is totally 100% clear that they were not intended to be used for cardomancy. Uh, so car- cardomancy is the term that's, it's like, you know, ne- necromancy is yeah. uh, magic that involves the dead. Cardomancy is, is magic or occult um, or fortune telling that involves cards. Mm-hmm. In mm, so, some, somewhere between 1450 and 1470, uh, the church decided they did not like these cards, and Classic um, Catholic Church. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the, the good old capital C church. Um, and I should say, I um, even though I wasn't raised particularly Catholic, I am Catholic, and I was I was married in the church and all that stuff. So, uh, no, no, nothing that I say here should be taken as like a disrespect on the on the Catholic Church at all. Um, but that was also part of the reason that I asked if your fiance was Catholic, because I mm-hmm. hear a lot from Catholics that they are very uncomfortable with tarot. Yeah. So uh, both that- Amanda and I were raised in the Catholic church as well. So yeah, oh, I mean, okay. it just like something, something in my body is like, nope, if that's like a saint and you can't do that. No, you know, like there's, there's <laughs> yeah. just some kind of, I don't know. I mean, again, it's, it's probably cause it's really familiar, you know, and it mm-hmm. probably like hits on things that, um, you know, are either like a, a familiar version of something or like just slightly queer or slightly off um, from things that you learn. So, I mean, I understand why it would hit close to home. Yeah. I'm the yeah. rebellious Catholic. So I just kind of roll with it. The iconography in tarot should feel familiar to you if you're Catholic, because a lot of it, I mean, obviously mm-hmm. just simply based on where it originated from, a lot of it yeah. came out of a highly religious culture um, mm-hmm. and obviously was pulling on imagery and iconography of the day and so it it should look very familiar to you and in fact one of the things that the that the church it was actually the franciscans specifically um, 
is that there's um, one of the cards is called the devil. And so the Franciscans sort of seized on this card um, and declared the, the cards themselves and, and whatever the games that were being played with them, a triumph of the devil. And Ooh, so yeah. Seems fair. that was, that was kind of it for the tarot for, for a good <laughs> long while. <laughs> yeah. Nothing like being blacklisted by the Franciscans to really take the oomph out of a up and coming game. <laughs> Exactly. So then fast forward to 1770. And there was a sort of the first use of the tarot for occult or mystic purposes um, emerged during that time. Divinatory meetings were were assigned to the 32 cards um, from the original Tarochi deck. Um, And that was that was when the cards sort of made the transition from just like innocuous playing cards to cardomancy. And during that time, there was sort of this murky, this murky thing that was being said that the, the cards originated or the imagery from the cards originated in Egypt. This is not true. Um, Then throughout, throughout sort of that, that whole period um, and leading up into the 20th century, it was also said that the cards originated with the Roma, that they originated from the Kabbalah and, and Jewish traditions. It, it, it's, it's pretty clear that none of that is true, but, but you'll see those threads kind of woven throughout all of tarot history. It, it is pretty clear that it was like literally just Italian playing cards and not, not anything more than that. Um, that's a, I feel like that's a common thing, just being a historian myself. It's a common thing that we go through cycles of uh, our Western culture being obsessed with non-Western culture. Right. So starting it yes. off at Egypt, that was a really big uh, thing during the early, early 1800s, especially in the United States, and then kind of moving past that to Kabbalism or uh, the uh, the Roma in particular. That's It's something that we, we get obsessed with the culture. We yeah. try and tie everything back to that and then we move on to something else later on. Yeah. Or it's like or it's like a safe, um, you know, safe to the to the, you know, Westerners or Americans way to kind of explore, you know, desires or hobbies that are kind of marked as like, uh, I don't know, uh, transgressive or mm-hmm. other, you know, mm-hmm. is to sort of dress it up in, you know, a, a stereotypical outfit, you know, Fancy or foreigner, whatever. Exactly. Nonsense. Like exoticism and, yeah. and whatnot. Like it's, it's a, it's not, um, it's not the thing that you grew up with. And, and it's a way to say like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not deviant for, you know, thinking about this thing. And anyway, it's just like an, a, you know, an association, um, of a kind of escapist fantasy. I think a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's actually, so, so speaking of sort of the, the like a, a Egyptian obsession, um, mm-hmm. in 1789, the first Egyptian tarot was published. That's called the Thoth, T-H-O-T-H, which you'll see still used in a lot of tarot decks and tarot literature. Um, Thoth is the Egyptian god, god of wisdom. So that that was the deck that sort of first put out tarot um, as divinatory cards. Um, and this is actually, so as a historian, you'll also love this. Um, that whole theory was basically totally blown out of the water, not too, too long afterwards because of the Rosetta Stone. Of yeah, course. That's classic a perfect Rosetta timing. Stone. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> like, just good. Way, way to go, Rosetta Stone. Yeah, it's like here are the answers to lots of questions you've always had, and also everyone is just wrong. Everyone is just so so wrong. I'm yeah. sorry. 
so, so wrong. So then we fa- fast forward to the 20th century, an artist named Waite, W-A-I-T-E, which is another um, another name that you'll see all the time in tarot, um, created a standard deck that we know today. So that's that's kind of like if you think of tarot, if you think of a deck, if you've gone to get a reading, you have probably seen the Rider Waite deck. And actually, that's the one when I was talking about the first deck that I had in middle school. Nice. It's the Rider Waite one. That's the most common one. Um, it's the one that you'll recognize if you, if you go and buy like a, a catch-all tray with a tarot card image on it, it's definitely one from the Rider Waite deck. Gotcha. I love that guy's name because it, it sounds like the sort of invitation to introspection that it seems like every tarot reading represents. Like you can ride or you can wait, y'all. Like you can <laughs> you can come and and like assess yourself and reckon with your future and your choices, or you can just not. <laughs> I also like that you picked up a southern. I love it. That's that, that is so so good. So <laughs> it's like it's like a thing in Walker, Texas. It's a Rangers. very modern take. Right. Right. <laughs> So that's that's basically the history of the tarot. Uh, you know, I mean, modern tarot um, is very, very much based on the Rider Waite. Um, the deck that I was using today for my reader for my reading is called the Morgan Greer. It's beautiful. It's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. If you guys want a deck, um, I would definitely suggest getting the Morgan Greer one because it's so breathtaking. Even though my readings, like recently, have not been maybe exactly what I want them to be. Right. I can't even get mad because the cards are so beautiful that I'm like, okay, well, I'll forgive you. Right, right. It's fine. You're so because pretty. Because you're beautiful. <laughs> yeah, because you're so pretty. So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of where we are. The other thing is, um, and actually you maybe find this interesting because it goes a little bit back to what we were talking about with the the imagery based on, um, on medieval Christian and, and Catholic um, motifs is that there are two two cards in the in the Rider Waite deck, mm-hmm. the High Priestess and the Hierophant. Originally, those two cards were the Papist and the Pope. Ooh, <laughs> we both got really excited were, about were, that. <laughs> yeah, and they were changed. The names were changed basically to sort of separate the deck away from Catholicism. And then another another sort of little like terminology change that happened was that just like with a regular deck of of playing cards there are suits but then there are also sort of major what we call in tarot the major major arcana and the minor arcana originally the major arcana was known as the trump cards and the minor was known as the pip cards Hmm. and i personally not to get overly political and very happy that they're no longer called the trump cards because i would not enjoy using trump cards same 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 (laughs) Um, and then the suits themselves, different decks use slightly different nomenclature for some of the suits, but generally speaking, the accepted ones are cups, wands, pentacles, and swords. Um, cups and swords have sort of always been cups and swords. Wands have gone by either staves or batons, and pentacles are sometimes known as coins. Hmm. Huh. I like pentacles better. That's just my good, opinion. Good I do too. <laughs> it feels... It feels more in line with the spooky nature of the tarot, I guess. Yeah, right. Uh, What other um, occult things are you into? Is that the right word to use? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, it's fine with me. (laughs) Um, I don't know if it's fine with everybody else, but it's fine with me. (laughs) I do a lot of candle magic. I I think that I'm also drawn 
to candle magic because again, I think it's like a tie into the, the Catholic thing that, um, my mom, even though my mom broke with the church before I was born, um, and didn't, didn't raise me in the church. She's like still always rushing off to the church to light candles. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> and, um, and I think that for, for whatever reason, um, working with candle magic brings me a lot of comfort and it feels very familiar to me. Um, I also find that when I'm doing it, I call on my grandmother, my, my mother's mother, who was very religiously Catholic, um, when I'm doing that and I feel very connected to her. Um, and I, and I feel connected to her energy and the fact that she's, you know, an, an angel who looks over me. And I also kind of know, like, even though she was a religious Catholic, like she would not be mad at me for doing something that's a little bit different because she would recognize the ritual of it. Sure. Wow. Yeah. So those are probably my, my, you know, t- tarot and the candle magic are probably the two things I do in candle magic for me is very much tied into the lunar cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so certainly paying attention to the full moons and the new moons is very important to me. And I tend to do my rituals on those, um, when those two things fall, um, I'm super, super into astrology, mm-hmm. crazy into astrology. I love astrology. Wow. Totally believe it. Um, and I have, um, I have a favorite astrologer. Her name is Annabelle Gatt and she's amazing. And I just like really enjoy her work and I'm kind of obsessed with her. I want to have her on my podcast, but I can't figure out how to like combine astrology and cleaning. Spiritual cleaning, clean yeah. out, clean out yourself. Perception. Yeah. Well, no, that's the thing I had. There's actually a lot of spiritual cleaning stuff that I can do. And I want my tarot reader who I was raving about, um, she actually used to, she kind of shut it down because she said it was just so much work, but she used to have what sort of a side business where she went into people's homes to do spiritual cleansings. Yeah. And she had cleaning products that she made that were, you know, all natural and based in, um, you know, certain herbs and properties that were, that would literally, you know, clean surfaces, sure. but also would spiritually cleanse your home. And I was like, oh my gosh, you got to call my podcast and you got to talk about this stuff. And it's so great. Like, so that stuff totally works within the, the construct of my show, but I'm not sure that astrology necessarily really does, but I'm sure I can figure out a way. I, I did just love that so much. I mean, from um, feng shui, you know, to burning sage to, you know, mm-hmm. even, um, I don't know, like people, you know, feeling, is this pillow right for me? Or like, mm-hmm. does this arrangement in my living room feel correct? There's so much to be said mm-hmm. for combining the like physical, you know, appearance and cleanliness and, and just like what your home smells like to your well being. Yeah. Right. It's, it's not even a, a psychological thing. It can be an empathetic or a spiritual thing too. Which yeah. Is really interesting. And, mm-hmm. and, and like, absolutely. And actually one of, one of the reasons that um, I don't have that much stuff under my bed is because it's bad feng shui to have a lot of stuff under your bed. Right, that's true. And ideally, I would have nothing. But unfortunately, I live in a tiny, tiny, tiny little apartment in Manhattan, and I need to store my big ladder and my toolbox <laughs> under my bed. <laughs> Where else do you put it? Literally yeah. no, there's literally no other place for those two things. But I also am like, okay, well, a ladder is actually a good thing under a bed because it's upward movement and my tools are not a bad thing either like they they build things and they fix things and they're productive so I sort of I sort of tell myself this but this is actually really funny I think you'll appreciate this my totally inadvertently when I moved into this apartment I 
put all of my cleaning supplies, like my vacuums and my, my feather dusters and all of that, um, in what actually turned out to be my money corner. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> and it was way, way, way before I was doing Ask a Clean Person. Wow. There you go. That really is fortuitous. Yeah. That is pretty good. Yeah. Actually, I actually, I take that back. It wasn't way before. It was like maybe a year or two before Ask a Clean Person started. There you go. That is, up, yeah. So like, I, I like manifested this job for myself inadvertently, I think. <laughs> that, there's something to be said for it. Listen, Listen, if it works for you, it works yeah. for you. Exactly. Yeah. Um, is there anything that we didn't cover that you would love to talk about? Gosh, no, I think, you know, I just would really encourage people to, if they feel afraid of tarot, to think of it again, you know, not as fortune telling, um, but really more as spiritual guidance. And, um, you know, I, I use it for clarity. It's also fun, you know, and the, the imagery is really, really beautiful. And I just think it's a neat thing. To do, and I, I would also say this for people who want to experiment with tarot, the first place the first place to start is to go get a reading. Right. Don't don't try to get a deck and teach yourself and learn it. You'll 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 be so confused, and it it is overwhelming. Um, there are a lot of cards. There's a lot to mm-hmm. learn. I will in my lifetime never never fully master the tarot, wow. and um, so I would say that the the right place to start is to go to a reading, and when you do work with your reader. Again, it's not fortune telling. You can't expect that they're going to read your mind or that they're going to look into your cards and go, Oh, I know everything about you. That's not, that's not the way that it works at all. It's a, it's a conversation and a story that's being told through the cards with your reader. And if you don't participate in that conversation, you're not going to get the full benefit of the reading out of it. And that's also, I think a really good way for people to take kind of some of the the sort of like occult feeling that might scare people out of it because then it does feel like a therapy session. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's like an invitation to think about yourself and your life and your future. Um, and whether that is, you know, a long walk that you take on your own or, you know, seeing something that reminds you of childhood or having this kind of structured way to say, you know, what actually does the universe want me to be thinking about right now? Um, that makes so much sense to me. Yeah, I love that. I love the way you put that. Oh, thanks. You taught me well. <laughs> Cool. Well, thank you so much, Jolie, for joining us. Where can people find you on the internet? People can find me on um, on Twitter at Jolie Care, J-O-L-I-E-K-E-R-R. Um, I write columns for Lifehacker, Jalopnik, and Deadspin. And my podcast is called Ask a Clean Person, the podcast, which you can find on iTunes, Acast, Stitcher, all the usual places you find podcasts. Um and you can also follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash ask a clean person. Yay. And I recommend that you do. Everyone needs to know how to clean a little bit better. And uh, Jolie's got your back when you have to Google embarrassing questions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love the embarrassing questions. The more embarrassing, the better. So don't be shy. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much again for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And remember listeners, stay creepy. Stay cool. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Schiaffini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Spirits Podcast. We also have all our episodes, collaborations, and guest appearances, plus merch on our website, spiritspodcast.com. Come on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast, for all kinds of behind-the-scenes stuff. 
Throw us as little as $1 and get access to audio extras, recipe cards, director's commentaries, and patron-only live streams. And hey, if you like the show, please share us with your friends. That is the best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time. Bye.